0: Good morning, Grace Place Church family. Hope you've had an awesome week. And uh, we are watching a little bit of a spike around the nation, and so we had sent out our email that uh, remain uh, cautious, and uh, we are encouraged from some of the things we're reading that there may be a vaccine on the way. And uh, so that's going to be awesome. I have a little bit of like allergy stuff going on. I saw somebody write an article this year and it's so true. I lived in Arizona and I thought you know the allergies season was really bad there. A couple of things that I would was allergic to every year uh, blooming plants but it seems like this uh, moving to Austin I found out that that allergies is year-round. There's always something for you. Every month something is going to bloom. Something is going to happen. So, I know a number of you have been experiencing that as well. and uh, so uh, hopefully I, I feel great, but uh, you can get bear through the talking in my head stuff that's going on here. Uh, also, I want to say we're going to be receiving communion today. if you uh, these are nearby, and so have those. And I think our focus for today is is gonna be, you know, around us as a nation uniting and and coming together. and And uh, God always has a a key place for the church in the midst of uh, the leadership of the nation, especially as it comes spiritually. And so we are going to rise up together as a church and uh, with the church worldwide and follow the mission. And that's our focus for today is to talk about the mission, a strange passage of scripture to get to the mission. That we're going to look at but there's some interesting things here that uh, you're going to see how they connect Uh, in john chapter four it's the story of the woman uh, that jesus met the samaritan woman at the well now many of you are very very familiar with that if you've been around church you are familiar with that story it's 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 a great great story of how jesus encountered this this woman at the well uh she was uh, there at a time when not normally, you, you, it was not the normal time to come and gather uh, water. And the reason, as we see her unfolding story, is that she was kind of a, a topic of conversation in the neighborhood, and there was a lot going on. And we live in different times. We're a more mobile kind of people. Many of you have moved here uh, to the Austin Round Rock area. Uh, you've moved many places, maybe throughout your life. I know we have. And uh, but in this time that we're looking at, they didn't. You were born and lived your life out pretty much where you uh, were born into, and so in that instance, uh, you can never run away from the stories of your life, right? So whatever has happened, everybody in the neighborhood knows about it, and so she was uh, in one of the, in that category. So she felt, in order to avoid gossip and people asking questions and things, just going to go at high noon when nobody is at the well. I'm going to gather water. Um, and we're going to talk about this in the message, but how many of you here today have gone out to meet a spiritual need and had a, uh, I mean, gone out to meet a physical need and you had a spiritual encounter? Anybody besides me, <laughs> you're heading to, to fulfill a spiritual need in your life and, and uh, or a, a physical need that you have and, and pow, you get hit with with a spiritual encounter of some kind. So let's take a look. We're going to start a little late in the story. I'm going to talk about the whole story because there's some things here at the end that are important. So chapter four of of John, uh, beginning at verse 27, and I'm gonna have you read with me and I'll tell you when, okay? Uh, Towards the end of this, this section, we'll read it all together, okay? Here we go, beginning at verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? And the woman uh, then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out to the city and came to him. In the meantime, the disciples urged him, Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat Of which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another. Has anyone brought Jesus McDonald's? (laughs) Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them. My food. Let's read this together. Here's the section we'll read together. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months. And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, keep reading with me, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit of eternal life. And both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for you which you did, I'm sorry, let's do it again. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. That's a great thought. We're not going to spend a great deal of time on that last uh, couple of sentences there. But he sent us out to labor uh, for what we really, uh, together, what we really didn't labor for. Uh, it is a great, great word. There are people that God has placed around your life intentionally that are already ripe and you are the reaper. You're the one that's going to uh, not the grim reaper, but you're the, you're the good reaper who's going to bring them into the harvest of the kingdom. And it's always so awesome to be a part of that, but we have to be available and ready uh, to be used by God. So what we pick up on this story is kind of uh, interesting here. Um, the disciples are rejoining Jesus. Uh, they had uh, both left the same time to, to go uh, from Judea to Galilee. You may remember at the beginning of the story, that was their intention. But language is used here that's kind of fascinating about Jesus in, in verse 3 there, if you want to look up the, the second part of it, verse 3b. But he needed, speaking of Jesus, to go through Samaria I think that's interesting uh, language in the text, emphasizing the leading of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. Now, Jesus is an example for us in every way that we are to live our lives out uh, as, as pleasing to God and obedient to God. And you may remember Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was uh, baptized and, and uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and and was operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As uh, While he was here on earth, he was fully man but fully God, but he... Um, had the leading of the Holy Spirit operating in his life, like he wants you and I to have operating in our life, and so that language is is depicting that the Holy Spirit is directing him, like he's, I'm going to go from from Judea to Galilee, and suddenly the Holy Spirit says, "Detour! I want you to turn right and go uh, into this city. I'm, I have an encounter for you. I have a divine appointment set." Uh, for you, there's something that's going to happen there that is, that, is, uh, that is profound and powerful and meaningful for a life that's there. It reminded me when I was reading through it of, of, of chapter uh, 5 in Mark, where Jesus encounters a single individual described as, and we know him as the uh, Gadarean demoniac. And uh, it was interesting what brought Jesus there, because uh, he piles all the disciples into the boat, and he says, basically, I must go to the other side. And so they have no idea what's going on. It was another compelling of the Holy Spirit, and they just take the boat and steer it across to the waters to Gadara. And when they when they get there, there's no big crowd. There's no great mass of people in the beginning. There's one. Uh, demoniac, a demon-possessed individual, running around who's caused fear in the city. People learned to lock their doors and shut their windows as a result of this person who would run out and scream in the streets. He he uh, would cut himself. They said they, he would. He, he lived among the tombs at night. He would go sleep in the, in the grave sites, and he's just someone who uh, was was you know frightening. It was Halloween for them every night, 365 days a year was Halloween. And um, they were just terrified. And so Jesus uh, just, you know, I got to go there. I, I have to go They just compel them on the Holy Spirit. And of course, we remember the, the encounter that took place there was was so incredible. And uh, I've had a, a chance uh, many times as a minister to, to talk to people who have some member of their family that um, has gone through some, some extreme mental duress. Uh, and uh, in, in some instances, they've lost them. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they commit suicide. They You know, something extreme uh, has happened in their life. And it's, it's so grievous to, to go through that. And several times God has given me, reminded me of this section in, in Mark chapter 5, the end of the, the chapter, well, I love it. It's just it's incredible. It's like here's this man running around doing all kinds of crazy things. Jesus deals with the issues of his of his life. Jesus loves us and he knows exactly deals with us, you know, according to our faculties, our abilities and things like that. And it says that at the end of this this passage that they saw this man again and he was he was sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed. He'd been running around naked, you know. He's clothed, and it says, in his right mind. And it's just a beautiful picture for me of what happens uh, for uh, those of us who are deeply troubled and in deep anguish that uh, there's, there's a life after this life. And, and I see us clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus yeah. in our right mind. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a, say it with me, no. sound mind. Sound mind. This encounter uh, that took place was not only life changing for this woman, but it was life saving for her. Right, Uh, the woman is so enamored by the things that Jesus says that I think it's important that as we look at that verse twenty eight, I think it is, where she she left her water pot. This was something important, something daily, and uh, something that you know you had to go get your water. Nobody, there's no plumbing, there's no water coming into your home, and, and this encounter, she went out to meet a you know a, a physical need, a real present need. Water is 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 so important, and she went out to meet this need that was going to take care of her, her day, to fill this water pot, water to wash with, water to cook with, water to drink water to take care of all kinds of things. But such was the encounter that took place here that it says uh, in verse 28, that the woman left, then left her water pot, went her way into the city. And uh, she said, come and see the man uh, who has, you know, told me things that no one else could know. And she invites a group to come and experience this. Now, We've all had as I said in the opening we've all had that kind of experience where we go out to satisfy a physical and you know a spiritual need happens but what's interesting in this story as well is they uh, the disciples had the reverse experience they had been tending to and same place okay same same place they had watched what was going on with Jesus same, same encounter and and that's it, I often think of this as a pastor that you know I've had people have two different experiences in service you know some that came looking for something physical, you know, like I hope there's my friends are there. I hope, you know, uh, boyfriend, girlfriends there, you know, <laughs> and and they get this spiritual thing that happens in the service, and it just changes them and. And transforms them and then I've seen people who've come you know like looking for the spiritual and they get distracted send a word that said or something that happened or somebody frowned at them or or you know something happened that totally changed things for them and they and they walk away from here uh, now searching for a physical thing rather than the spiritual thing and I was I was thinking when somebody says to me and I don't mean this in any way mean because we all need to be affirmed right and we should be affirming one another and loving one another. But when there is someone that's constantly saying, you know, I need affirmation, it tells me two things about them. Number one, it tells me that they're not healthy, healthily connected to the one who affirms us every single moment and day, our Heavenly Father. You know, people come and go, they, they like you today, they don't like you tomorrow, but one thing's consistent in our walk with God, right? And that is that every day he says, I love you, well done. I, I created you the way you are. I just I cherish you. But the, the second thing it tells me is that they are looking for they're looking for likes rather than respect. And it's a horrible way to, for us to live our life. To be people pleasing for for us to look socially in our circles for for people to like us, you know, to count up the likes we get on Facebook or or Instagram or whatever and count that as something of value, which which is absolutely meaningless. It really does. It Someone can can agree with us. They could have missed and hit the wrong button, you know, or <laughs> they they might have meant to put a frowning face, or it, or you know, just the fact that they even agree with us at all. What does that mean? You know, what what does that matter? That they uh, that's not true affirmation. You know, the true affirmation that you and I need comes from our relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, I digress. Here's the disciples, <laughs> and they are coming. Uh, you know having tended to some spiritual things, right? Setting up in advance of Jesus coming to, and now they're on the way back, let's go see, make sure he's okay. You know, let's go take care of uh, Jesus, you know, make sure he didn't get lost, and you know, we're all going to Galilee, and you know, and and so they, they have tended to that. They probably had prayer times, you know, cool things happening along the way. And uh, when they got here, they got distracted by a physical need, didn't it? It says, they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one asked, what do you seek or what are you talking with her about? There was no curiosity about the spiritual side of things, right? They instantly leaped into the physical side of things. What they do instead is the disciples urge him saying, Rabbi, eat. eat. We passed a McDonald's on the way over. Smelled really great. Uh, Judas says we have a little extra cash. <laughs> Would you like a Big Mac? <laughs> and you know, I I think it is especially worthy of us taking a look at in the middle of what's happening here. There's a woman who is so encountered by the presence of God, and and the sent Messiah that she leaves her water pot of. Uh, uh, the, an important piece of her daily life just sitting at the well and does not even minister to that physical need but rushes out to find other people because what happened in me yes, needs to happen in you yes, amen. you need to come and see this man yeah. but in the light of that that we have uh, a group of those who've been around him who've learned to take it for granted and and now they're focused on something and and michelle and i you know have spent a number of years in ministry we've been um you know here's my chance to name drop right we've been behind the scenes with some really big you know names in in uh church world okay if we mentioned them many of you would know these guys And we've not always been impressed by being in their presence. I I I remember one dinner that we were invited to with a whole bunch of people, and this person was huge. I mean, they're big today, but they were a giant at that point in in really popular circles, and it was just incredible. And 30 minutes into it, like, we, we were sick at our stomach. We wanted to leave. We saw things there, but it's so easy. It is. It's so easy that you become so familiar so familiar yeah. that you start then fixing on the physical yeah. and uh, every every announcement that you know this person wanted command of the table command of every person's attention it, it just was was sickening to us we went away from it because it was a giant to us in the faith went away from it very discouraged and um just you know we we saw something there that day that that troubled us about what can happen when you climb the ranks of the ladder and, and here these guys are, you know, they're, they're now consumed with the physical, and they weren't saying to each other, isn't it amazing that Jesus is talking to Samaritan with the mission that Jesus has given us. This is just so incredible, man. And he's, he's not all about talking about it, but Jesus is actually doing it. Did you see the look on her face? You know, did you see what was taking place? Did you see her take off and leave everything important to her behind so she could go get people and bring them back? That was, Rabbi, eat. It's time to eat. Well, they were not mission focused clearly they were physically hungry and distracted in, in in this opening conversation and that's where that where they landed the plane rabbi e i began to kind of wonder why that was the case there and i i, I think about the human condition and and uh, the struggles that we have and i was looking back at the old testament uh, under in the old testament especially in the book of deuteronomy israel um, under Moses' leadership, Uh, they had a mission, to go to the Promised Land. And each time that they moved in that direction, they were pushed back by three enemies. It wasn't the Amalekites, it wasn't the Jebusites, uh, all the Sites, the Ides and the knights. none of them, right? The same three enemies were having such success in their life over and over and over again. And there are three words that Moses uses throughout the book of of Deuteronomy to describe the state of Israel and what was going on. And here they are, stubborn, unbelieving, rebellious. Stubborn, unbelieving, and rebellious. And though Israel knew a lot about God, they didn't really know God. And though they had been, they had seen God on one level you know, do miraculous things. On another level, a deeper level, they remained blind to, to God and, and to that transformational personal relationship that he wanted to have with each one of them. They had heard his voice, but in reality they were really deaf. Their hearts were hard, their senses were dull. It, was, it had resulted in their lives in a, in a lack of passion, no fire, no love. They remained stubborn, unbelieving and rebellious they were undisciplined impure and condemned and they didn't know how to change that they didn't know how to bring about any change and as I started thinking through this and and looking at at each of these points that we struggle with that are enemies that keep us from promises that keep us from the mission of God and keep us from advancing in the promises that God has for our lives I wanna clip through them if you're taking notes and just talk a little bit about each one, stubbornness. Stubborn is not can't do it. Stubborn is won't do it. We need to recognize immediately in our lives when we rise up and say, I won't do it. When we conflict with what the Holy Spirit is leading and we say, Hey, I'm going from here to there. There are no detours. There's no pit stops. I don't care. I have a destination and I'm going in a particular place. I think anger is something that, uh, you know, over a perceived injustice often is, is, is growing soil for stubbornness in our life. God's disappointing us in some way. Uh, we had uh, fixed our eyes on a particular thing and, and it didn't come to pass. And so it becomes the ground where God can grow stubbornness or the enemy can grow stubbornness. And God is, 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 pr- is kind of kept out of that garden. And it's, it's interesting in Isaiah that that's, you know, what uh, we see God wanting to do is get in there and, and cast out the rocks. It first borders it, puts a fence around it, which represents kind of faith. He says, you know, Israel's my garden and, and I'm going to build a, you know, a, a borders around it. So it's faith is going to be the borders around it. And then I'm going to go in, we're going to cast out all the rocks. We're going we're to make this ground pliable for growing good things, not stubborn weeds. And I, and I think the cure that we see in scripture for stubbornness is, is found twofold. It's found that we, that in showing gratitude, real gratitude and being grateful and and being able to forgive as we've been forgiven are two things that are necessary for us to rid ourselves of the weeds of stubbornness in our life. And I think you know we have to ask ourselves this morning, you know, are we living gratefully? Are we living thankfully? And secondly, you know, are we offering the same kind of forgiveness that was offered to us? Limitless from God, saying you know, you don't have to get all your ducks in a row or whatever. I forgive you right now. Just receive it and accept it. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Yeah. I'm gonna wait till you get all cleaned up and all ready. I'm willing to pay the price. You just need to come, repent, surrender, turn your life over to me, and and, and we can go forward. Are you living a, a life of gratitude? And, and are you are you able to forgive? Forgiveness. Kills stubborn weeds that live in, try to live in our lives. The Bible likens stubbornness, and we're going to see this passage again. I'll read it in a moment. To gross immorality and idolatry. It's, it's among the, the actions of rebellion, in fact. We'll talk about that in just a moment. The second thing that Moses said was, um, you're, you're stubborn, you're unbelieving. You're unbelieving. And, and unbelieving is really about our faith. Unbelieving is about our faith. Our faith is um, not devoid of, of facts, and it's a fact-based faith. We we don't have this like crazy faith as as Christians that is tied to nothingness. You know. Like, you just you just have to believe in God. There's never there's no signs of Him. He's he's completely you know invisible, and there's just no way to have any kind of proof that God exists. You just need to believe in Him. We are surrounded by a fact based faith, right? Yeah. We have an empty tomb. We we have a risen Savior. We have you know the beauty of the world that testifies of God. We we talked about this the on. on- oncological argument about uh, you know what how we got here and and how life exists on this planet and how we're just that that one speck dot in the in the beam of light that just happens to be in the right place the orbit in the right place we have a fact-based uh faith it's not just that we're just throwing ourselves out there going boy i sure hope this there's elements of faith that we put in action in our in our lives on a daily basis but we really have this this very factually based Kind of 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 faith that you and I are leaning into, and and so when the enemy attacks it or others attack it, you know, being used by the enemy with uh, science, for instance, you know, we can say faith is not at war with science. Science proves and provides good cause for us to have belief. I have a picture of me. I'm a man of science. You can see there we go. It's me without a shirt. I'm a man of science. We can believe and uh, in, 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 in have faith and, and believe in science. And, you know, because science is is providing on, on a day by day, really, but certainly an annual basis, it's providing more and more proof that God is the more we learn about the solar system and the more we learn about, you know, absolutely nothingness. And I'm talking about not a single atom, uh, not a neutron, not an electron zero out there. Nothingness. We have never even known nothingness. It's impossible for us to get our mind around nothingness, but science now tells us that's how we all started. That's how everything began was from nothingness. There was some kind of a big bang, a boom, and and, uh, all of a sudden there was something, something out of nothing. Tells us a lot about a God who had a plan and a purpose. The third one that Moses was dealing with with the children of Israel that we fight with, the enemy that keeps us from the things of God that he has for us is rebellious. And I want to say this about that. You're never more at risk spiritually than when you are operating in rebellion, when you are rebellious, when you are rebellious against what God wants to accomplish in your life. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, and this is a scary verse about rebellion. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And look, stubbornness is in here too. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. These three enemies are intended to prevent us from entering the promises of God, from entering the mission field that God has placed before us. They are things that you and I struggle with on a day-by-day basis, and God's saying, don't give them any room. Don't give them a voice, don't give them any place in your life. Rid yourselves of all three of these. Make sure that you don't allow any room for this rebellion, that begin uh, in the in the heavenlies with Lucifer leading a group as much as a third of the of the angels against God to try to take over the throne. And listen, how long that lasted? No time at all. <laughs> God overthrew that in a split second. The prophet uh, in, in Ezekiel's last, uh, well I think it's Jesus prophesied about it too. I saw Satan fall as as lightning. It was boom. It was like it was over with. It was like I'm leading a rebellion. It's all over with. You're finished. God brought it to an end. You don't rebel against the creator of the universe. You there there is no place for that. And God's calling us to to unify. God's calling us to unite under him and to follow his leading no matter what is going on around our world, no matter what kind of circumstances we see happening that we're not uh, able to gauge because we have this limited uh, focus that we are trapped by time. So we only see this moment and there's no way that we can see what is ahead even in the next five minutes, right? So, so there's no way that we're going to see what's ahead in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. We need to trust God and follow his leading. He says, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields for they are already white to harvest. And uh, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit to eternal life, that both he who sows and reaps may rejoice together. That right there, that verse, is our purpose. It's all of our calling. God said, I sent you to reap. Disciples said, Rabbi, eat. (laughs) God said, I sent you to reap. I'm doing what the Father told me to do. I'm here at the well, meeting with one person, this one encounter. And man, we we always you know uh, underestimate what God is doing. I, I heard uh, recently uh, Mike Pence's testimony. I'd never really heard it before. A small church was having a little gathering, a uh, ministry gathering, and uh, in in a little town, and it was you know, almost nondescript amount of people there. But he was one of them. And uh, as a young man, gave his heart to Christ. And no one knew that night that one day Mike Pence would be, you know, leader, uh, a governor, that he would be a, a vice president. Nobody nobody knew at that point what would happen. The same story about people like Billy Graham and Now, all of them came into these little gatherings and encounters. Their life was changed. We aren't to despise small beginnings. Here's one Samaritan woman. At the well, Jesus is, is led by the Spirit to one Samaritan woman. They're like, there might be a crowd in Galilee. Let's go check them out. One Samaritan woman. She brought back a whole herd of people, a whole village of people to come and meet Jesus, who's changed my life, who got me to forget about my physical needs, and to just reach out and be ministered to spiritually and transformed in my life. We've never been more fulfilled as a people than when we are engaged in our calling. God has given you and me an assignment and he's, he's going to you know, strengthen and equip us to complete that assignment. You commit to God calling for your life. And God commits to supplying the resources that are necessary for that. Ephesians chapter four, verse one says, I urge you to live the life to which God called you. To live the life to which God called you. I'm gonna invite our worship team to come back. We are facing a crisis in our world today, but it's not what many of us think. What we are facing today is a crisis of purpose. Without God central to our lives, his mission central to our mission, we are a people without purpose. And here's what happens. People without purpose invent a cause to replace purpose. People without purpose invent a cause to replace purpose. You you were not created for a cause. You're going to be engaged in some causes, and that's good. That's a good thing. And and I hope you're engaged in the ones that God has equipped you and wants to use you for. But you have a purpose that's bigger than just that cause. Yeah. You have a purpose bigger than that cause. What could be bigger than feeding the hungry or helping the homeless? Having the encounter with the Samaritan woman. Yeah. Right there. You do that. If that was all you were called to do is that one woman and you meet her in eternity, that's life changing. That's life changing. I can feed you today. You're going to be hungry tomorrow. But Jesus said, I have food you don't know anything about. (laughs) I'm fed by the heavenly father. God first and purposes in our lives. I want to challenge you to put first his rule in our lives, his mission rather than our mission, his glory, our focus, his spirit, our guide, his word, our food. Are you living a purposeful life or are you just existing? You have your, that represents, uh, the body and blood of Jesus. For those of you who uh, might not have done this before because we've gone to these portable sets, there's two pieces, a very light uh, piece at the top that that peels off that will reveal the wafer, that which represents the body of the Lord Jesus. In our world, uh, in our nation, we've come through a very difficult, season and election, there's always just a buildup to it too, you know, goes on for a year and a half or so. God's calling us as a church to unite together, whatever, uh, outcomes that take place that you and I are to unite together as a church. We always overestimate, I think what we can accomplish politically. And we certainly underestimate what we can accomplish spiritually. God has a plan and a purpose for his church and, you know, irrespective of how a, an election goes, whether it's, you know, your, uh, what you're happy about or unhappy about, we're called to unite as a church. And as, um, a pastor, I want to lead us in that. I want us to be united and I want us to be about the Father's business. I want us to be mission focused. I think this Thanksgiving season when we come together and we've declared this the season of firsts, you know, our first fruits, um, that we're thankful to God, we're grateful to Him. We express that, we live that out. And this is our opportunity to do that, to heal wounds. You know, I hope that there's not been severe wounds between you and people on social media. Uh, maybe, you know, you just had to, to pause them for 30 days or whatever. But let's, let's unite. Let's bring people back together. Let's heal the wounds of our nation, beginning with healing the wounds among us and looking to God as the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. And so today as we come to the Lord's table, we come and everyone who's here is welcome to participate in communion. It's an open table. Uh, I didn't have any say in opening or closing it. That's Jesus, and I obey him and follow him. He opened the table, and so everybody's welcome. It's a point of reminder to us to get our affairs right with him. We're ha- we have a, a, a divine appointment set with him, the great judge of the universe. So we take a moment to do that today, to set our affections on things above, not on things in the earth. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for that which represents your body, we ask you to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We want to be those that are healers of our nation, Lord. And we want to begin right here in our own home church and in our, among our home family. We ask God that you would be glorified, Lord. And that, God, you're going to be honored in our governmental leadership. And you're going to, to every moment, Lord, be leading and guiding and directing the steps of this great nation we're so grateful for, so thankful for the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we invite you to be glorified through us, God. Whatever lies ahead, we are in your hands and we trust you and we believe you. Thank you for the sacrifice you made at Calvary. Thank you for the body that was broken for us. Today we receive it in remembrance of what you've accomplished for us, in Jesus' name, amen. Receive that which represents the body. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are for forgiveness. And we are taking a moment today to examine whether we have been as willing to forgive as you have been willing to forgive us. Have we forgiven ourselves? Have we forgiven others that are around us who we have held out maybe a a grudge against or been upset with or jealous of or whatever it might be? We ask God that you would help us to extend the same forgiveness that you've offered to us through the shed blood on Calvary, Lord. And we thank you that it washed away every sin, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us and that we are together today united as members of the body of christ the blood of jesus christ flows through us lord and runs through us because we're members of the family we've been adopted in by the work that you did at calvary thank you jesus for that we receive this in remembrance of you in jesus name